Welcome to Family Features, a podcast for anyone who wants to experience healthy relationships within their family. This is Dr. Corey Gilbert, and I'm honored to come alongside you to encourage, educate, and equip you as we focus on the different relationships that make us family. Let's get started and focus on today's feature. Welcome to the Family Features Podcast. My name is Dr. Corey Gilbert, and today I have a special guest, uh, Dr. Joe Martin. Thank you for getting on here with me. Well, Corey, my pleasure, bro. Thank you for having me. I'm excited about being here. Yes, looking forward to our conversation about uh, men and about our marriages and about how it is so important that we fight for what matters most. So looking forward to our conversation. Um, tell us a little bit about yourself, Dr. Martin. Um, you know, I, I can give you uh, the long drawn out story, Corey, but I'll just give you what I call the um, the phases of my life. And we can always go deeper into any one of those categories, but I'll touch on each one briefly. Uh, sure. I like to summarize my, my story as being going from rags to riches to ruin to redemption. Nice. <laughs> and when I say rags to riches to ruin to redemption rags, I started out in one of the toughest um, inner city ghettos in Miami, Florida, in a place called Liberty City. Uh, Miami. Uh, my mom was a teenage mother at the age of 16. She had two kids by the time she was 17. So she wow. was a high school dropout with two kids. And my dad left when I was only two years old. So my mom had, she was a child raising two children on her own, which led to a lot of depression for her and some um, alcohol abuse and other things. Um, but in, in addition to growing up in that environment, just what you hear on the news and the media, what you see on television and the movies, um, it was a pretty horrific childhood. Um, filled with addiction, abandonment, abuse. Um, I was sexually abused as a child for three years uh, of my life from the age of 12 to 14 by a family member. Um, and I never, and I held on to that secret for over um, two decades before I let wow. anybody know what was going on. But that was the rags part. And there's other stuff mm-hmm. in that we can un- unpack. But the richest part is that in spite of growing up in that environment, Corey, I, I ended up, um, was the first person in my family to graduate from high school, to go on to college graduated early at the age of 20, top of my class, bought my first home when I was a senior in college, moved my mom out of the projects at the age of 21, started my first business at the age of 22, a clothing store with my, my ex-wife. And I put the emphasis on ex-wife because that's going to get to the ruin part. <laughs> but with my ex-wife, <laughs> um, I became the youngest professor ever hired to teach at a university in the state of Florida at the age of 24. Um, wow. Worked for the Florida governor's office at the age of 26 as communications director, had my PhD by the time I was 28 years old, had written two books by the time I reached the age of 30. And I was traveling all over the country, all over the world, training educators. I told you that prior to coming on mm-hmm. that I used to be in education. And but I was one of the um, I, I was a top educational consultant working with over 750 school districts across the country in four different countries, helping turn schools around and helping teachers connect better with their kids, helping kids achieve. So. I mean, I had my own television show, had my own radio show. I mean, wow. this before podcasting and all this other yep. stuff. <laughs> but um, I had a radio show just for teachers. And so that was the highlight. That was the riches. Now, I wasn't like a millionaire. I didn't have Bill Gates money or Jay-Z money. <laughs> but coming from the projects to that, I felt rich. Oh, you know, oh, yeah, you're talking about um, my ex-wife didn't have to work. I was in my 20s. You know, I can do whatever I wanted. We had multiple homes and I was still in my 20s. You know, and I've wow. never played sports, never dunked a basketball, <laughs> never told a joke, never entertained. This is all based on just my mm-hmm. intellect and based on my gift to gab to communicate. And so I, that was the um, richest part of it. Then the, um, the ruined part came when I never dealt with that trauma in that past. Oh, you know, from dealing wow. with your clients and that you can only try to run away from your past so long before it catches up to you. Uh, I describe it as being the equivalent of trying to push um, a beach ball in the water. You may succeed mm-hmm. for a little bit, but the deeper you push it down, the higher it's going to pop up when you slip. Yes. And so it slipped up in my marriage and I became um, addicted to porn, which may end up turning into being um, a, a sex addict. And I became a, a serial adulterer. And which mm-hmm. now we're going to probably lose all the women who listen to me right now. I could think I'm just I'm slum and scum, <laughs> but I've been redeemed. That's another part of the story. But exactly. that's, that's the part. Right but, that, but that's the part that ruined my life. I lost my wealth, risked my health. It's by the grace of God, Corey, that um, I don't have AIDS. Um, mm-hmm. I wasn't um, using um, my my common sense and how I slept with these women and who I would hook up with. And and it devastated, as you can imagine, it destroyed my my wife's life. Um, oh, for sure. She was um, a virgin when she met me. And so she had never mm-hmm. been with another man. And so we yeah. had a, 
uh, sort of like this storybook um, romance because we met when I was a freshman in college and she was a senior in high school. And this came out after 16 years of marriage. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah. So she had a lot vested in this and it just destroyed her life and, and pretty much destroyed mine as well in our, our family unit because we had a child. And so I thought my life was over by that time. Because how do you get it? How do you get all that before the age of 30 just to lose it all before you reach the age of 40? And so I'm thinking, okay, I now I become one of those cautionary tales like the athletes and the entertainers that you yep. hear about who had it all and just blew it. So I thought there was nothing that God could ever do with my life. And so I just said, okay, if I just raise my son as a single dad, because I got joint custody. Can you believe that? I got joint custody of my son. And so wow. I became a single dad. And even though we had joint custody, I pretty much had him most of the time because I was self-employed and she had a regular job. So obviously I had more of the responsibility because I could, I had more flexibility. And so that became my main focus of being a good dad. And based on my son's, um, response, he would tell you, I was not just a good dad. I was a great dad, but I didn't become a great dad until after I ruined my life. And so I thought, okay, that's good enough. I don't care if I'd never do anything positive, as long as I can raise this son the right way. But God had other plans for me because um, for some crazy reason, he decided to give it back to me and say, I'm going to give you a new start, but I want you now to use the tears of your past to be medicine for the souls of men. And so he gave me this crazy idea and this vision to work with men to help them write their comeback stories, or at Love least it. at the minimum, prevent them from ever having to write one in the first place. <laughs> right. Now, yes. the only, the, now that's a great idea on the service, but the bad part of that is that now I got to tell the world about my yes. failures. Like I'm telling them yes. about my failures right now, because oh, you can't yeah. help them write a comeback story today. Want to know what you come back from. <laughs> and so, and when they hear my story, especially men, they're like, Okay, now I was feeling pretty bad about myself until I heard Joe's story. <laughs> At least I'm not that bad, you know. And and I don't mind being judged like that because sometimes men need to know that you're not the only one. You know, sometimes they suffer from this affliction. Um, I, I call um uh terminal uniqueness, <laughs> thinking that so true. nobody so has true. gone through what I've been through. <laughs> I'm the worst person in the world. Well. I, you know, it's like playing poker. I say, okay, tell me what you did wrong. Okay, I can raise that by two. <laughs> Let me tell you what I did wrong. <laughs> you know, because I had the means to continue to do wrong things. And most of these men that I run into, um, they didn't have that kind of means to be able to do right. stuff, some of the stuff that I did. And so, but it gives me hope, even though I'm sort of like the, the punching bag or the dump truck yeah. they can dump on, they say, wait a minute, if this dude could survive that. And now I have it all back. I'm now happily married again. Um, now mm -hmm. I'm in a blended family. Now I have a daughter. Can you believe God trusted me, giving me a daughter now? <laughs> and she's not my biological daughter, but um, you couldn't convince her that I'm not her daddy. Her dad abandoned her when she was five mm -hmm. years old and she really loved him, but then he didn't want to have anything to do with her after his, her mom married me. And so because of his own resentment and bitterness, but I stepped in and of course I had to build trust with her. But now the redemption part of all of this is not only am I now, my family's been restored and I'm now happily married and um, my kids are now out of the house. So we're empty nesters now. Um, I, now my daughter's 19. Um, wow. and my, son is 20, <laughs> my son is 25 now. And when we got a divorce, when I, his mom and I got a divorce, it was, he was only nine at the time. Mm -hmm. And so now I have a platform and we have a podcast now that is the top rated podcast for Christian men on Apple Podcasts. And what we do That's is we amazing. help men win, like you said, Corey, at what matters the most. And I'm just, sometimes I'm, I'm in shock. Uh, I'm humbled that mm -hmm. I'm able to work with men in this capacity. But I realize now that if I didn't go through what I went through, I couldn't help guys who are going through what they're going through right now. And we help not only men, but we help um, the women who love and support those men. Because a lot of times right. women want to know how can, you know, my husband's story is similar to yours, but mm -hmm. I don't know how to help him. Um, what's his problem? Why does he do this? Why mm -hmm. is he mad at me? And so I'm able to help them get to the root of that a lot of times because I can just share from my own personal experience, but also from the men that I've mentored, coached, um, and personally coached myself. And now to this point, it's been hundreds of men and we've reached thousands beautiful. of men all over the world. Mm -hmm. Where did your faith come in into the story? You know, it, it's, it's been a work in progress. Um, mm -hmm. It started when I was a kid. My mom, I told you, had her, her own demons she had to deal with. She passed away um, two years ago um, this Thanksgiving, mm -hmm. um, on Thanksgiving Day. But my mom, 
she introduced me um, to God when I was a kid. And I say that it's a work in progress because my mom took us to church Mm -hmm. and we didn't know, you know, we just going because mom said, go to church. And if you don't go to church, you're not going to be able to go outside and play with your friends. And by the way, Corey, that's when they used to let kids actually go outside. They wanted to go outside and play. I know. (laughs) (laughs) Remember those days? Oh, so, (laughs) yeah. So we actually I wanted to go outside and play. And she used to threaten us that if you don't go to church, you're not going outside to play with your friends. And so we went out of obligation. And when you go to church out of obligation, it's not about a relationship with God. It's about just checking off the boxes. And so I went. But of course, even if you just go just to attend, let's say, you know, just because um, you stand in your garage doesn't make you a car. But if you stand, <laughs> but if you stand in the garage, if you go to the garage every day, you're going to start acting. Maybe you might start, maybe you start sensing some things that cars do, <laughs> you know, while they're in the garage. <laughs> and so even though it wasn't intentional, I, I went to church so much that I got a little bit of God in me and I started yeah. actually listening to what they were talking about, but I still didn't have a deep commitment and relationship with him. But I had enough relationship and my mom doesn't even know this um, rest or so now that that little bit of God saved my life because when I was 16, I thought about committing suicide because mm. um, my mom didn't know that I had, go- I had been sexually abused from 12 to 14. Right. And you don't just push that away. You need to get therapy, counseling and help for that. Yeah. And, and unfortunately in the um, African-American community, that's not always a popular thing to do is also true of people in the Latino community um, right. who think you need to keep it in the family. You don't need to let other people know what you're doing. And so because of that, um, I became suicidal. Um, I mean, it was a daily or at least a weekly idea. And it got really bad when I was 16, when I actually had the gun in my mouth, ready to pull the trigger. And because of that little bit of God I had in me that my Mm -hmm. mom introduced me to, um, kept me from doing it because, yeah. And I, and it's, it's funny because people say, what do you mean? God kept you from doing it. I say, I heard a voice, but it wasn't audible but it was very loud and it was resonating in my heart and in my chest. And it kept telling me, don't do it. And I didn't understand why, because I'm thinking, okay, if I don't do it, I'm going to get killed anyway, because, oh, I forgot to mention doing that rag story. By the time I reached age 16, I watched six of my friends get murdered. And when you're, you're losing friends at 12, 13, 14, 15 years old, you don't think you're going to make it to 18. And so I'm having this argument with this voice that I can't mm-hmm. hear, but I can hear yep. inside and say, yep. why shouldn't I kill myself? Death can't be easier than, you know, death can't be worse than this. Mm-hmm. But the voice kept saying, just trust me, it's not over. That's all I kept hearing. Trust me, it's not over. It. And I cut a deal with God that if he let me make it out of that situation, that I would <laughs> do something, which a lot of people make those deals and then they forget about it like I did later on. Yep. And so exactly. the progress became after I made it out of that situation, didn't kill myself. Totally forgot about God after that because I made mm-hmm. it. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yep. Yep. But um, then that's when I say it became a prog- uh, it was pro- it's a work in progress because after um, I, I got married and my first son was born, somebody reintroduced me to God again. And then that became another phase of my relationship with God. Mm-hmm. So now I say, okay, that's right. I made this promise to God, but that's another phase because what I found out is that, okay, now I know who God is. But now mm-hmm. I just have yep. fire insurance. At least I'm not going to, you know, <laughs> well I'm not going to burn in yeah. hell, you know, that kind of thing. <laughs> and so, yeah. and so he was my savior, but he wasn't my Lord. And yes. what I mean by my Lord, I wasn't listening to how he wants me to live because here's what I thought and go ahead and shoot me that I thought <laughs> if I just do all the right things, mm-hmm. good things should happen for me. God is going to bless me. Because yeah. I'm being a good husband, I'm being a good father, I'm taking care of my family, I'm providing. That's now how it works. Yeah. We don't, I don't, I learned the next phase of my life when I realized now I have a real relationship with God, that I don't do things for God to do good things for me. I do things because God is good. And Amen. this is my way of saying thank you, no different than our own children. I don't want them to do something so they can earn my love. I want them to do the right things because they love me. Mm-hmm. And even if they don't do the right thing, guess what? Daddy still loves them. Yes, exactly. And that's what I had to learn. So now I have a real relationship that's not based on what I do, but based on who he is and who I am in him, if that makes any sense. And so this is, I wish I could make it cut and dry, but as you can see, I've had to evolve over time mm-hmm. to learn this. But now we teach men now how to maybe skip over all those phases and just get to the real part is that you have a God who loves you so much 
-hmm. so much that there's nothing you can do to make him stop loving you. You can never do anything that will make him love you more or less. He loves you because of who you are. You are his own and he claims yes. you and he's chosen you. He's adopted you. You're no longer an orphan, regardless of how you've been raised by the parents right. who brought you into this world. And so that's where I'm at. So it's been a pro it's been progress, a work in progress. It's amazing how hard that is and how tough it is. Like you do, you want everyone to skip all that pain and just come to the, to the, the best part. But how, how many of us men, especially really need to go through some of the pain um, and then the, how it affects your you know, wives and children and, you know, so many people in our family, some of those decisions, because that had to have been a dark season for you, kind of the riches to what was the next one ruined? Rags yes. to riches to that ruin. ruin. That ruin was, yeah, that, that was ruin. a valley, bro. Oh. <laughs> that yeah. was. Uh, then after uh, that ruin, what, what was it after the ruin? that you really felt God really grabbing you? Was it that kind of call to use your run for him? No, what it was, that? yeah, I was just trying to survive it. I, I was just saying, okay, right. okay, I didn't die in the midst of my sins because yes. I mean, I, I, the stories yeah. I can tell you about when I was in the ruin part, stuff I used to do that put oh. my life in jeopardy. And I, I look back and I can't believe that was me. It's like, it's a yeah. different personality. But what ended up happening as I'm surviving this and I'm coming out of the ruin part, I didn't know there was a redemption phase. But yes. what ended up happening, I met a man. And mm -hmm. during my course of my work, I was um, going down to Florida because um, I was living in um, Tallahassee, Florida. I was going down to Miami near my old neck of the woods to go down there mm -hmm. to, to speak. And I was working with, at, uh, I was lecturing at Florida International University. And I met a young man in the audience who came up to me and asked me to sign one of my books for him. And he told me who his dad, he told me that to sign it for my dad, not for me. And I'm thinking, wow, I've had, I've, I've signed hundreds and hundreds of books. Nobody's ever asked me to sign a book for their dad before. <laughs> and so this is divine intervention, man. And I said, who's your dad? He told me who his dad was. He said, my dad's a school teacher here in Miami. I said, hey, man, I'm from Miami. He said, yeah, I heard your story. Cause I, now I wasn't living in Miami. I was just visiting mm -hmm. there to speak. And, he, and he, I said, so where does he teach? I'm, I'm from here. He said, oh, he teaches at Horace Mann Middle School. I said, wait a minute. Horace Mann Middle School is in Liberty City. That's where I grew up. Yeah. And he says, yeah, I know. I said, um, but you're white. <laughs> That's what I told him, right? Because I didn't meet a white <laughs> child until I was 12 in Liberty City. That's how isolated our community was. Mm -hmm. And I said, but you're white. He said, yeah. I said, is your dad white? He says, yeah. I said, there's no white people in Liberty City. He says, oh, my no. he said, and he says, my dad doesn't live in Liberty City. I said, so why is he teaching in Liberty City? I said, because Horace Mann is the worst middle school in Miami. Yeah. And he says, yeah, he said he, he voluntarily chose to teach in that community. I'm like, what? Why would he do that? He says, that's just the kind of man my dad is. That's why I think he's going to enjoy your book. My book was on servant leadership. Right. Oh, right? Yeah. And so, um, <laughs> so I said, okay. So I signed the book to his dad. And I put my, something told me to put my, put my card in it. Now I know it was God speaking to my heart. Give him your mm -hmm. card. Cause I usually only give my card to kids who come from bad backgrounds, who need a role model, mm -hmm. you know, that kind of trying to give yeah. back. Right. Mm -hmm. And so I put my card, he said, what's this for? I said, I don't know how your life is going to turn out, but if you have a dad like that, mm -hmm. it's probably going to be amazing life. And I can't wait. I would love for you to keep in contact with me. Let me know how your life turns out. And he's looking at me all weird, Corey, like, who is this crazy dude, right? <laughs> he, said, yeah. he said, okay, whatever, right? So his yeah. name was Micah. And just like in the Bible, Micah in the Bible. So yeah. I gave him my card and didn't think anything of it. Fly back yeah. home about two weeks later, I get a call on the phone from this guy. And he yeah. says, um, is this um, Dr. Joe Martin? I said, yeah. He says, this is Howard Mintz. He said, you um, signed a book for, to, for, to me from, um, for my son? I said, yeah, Micah was his name, right? He says, yeah. He said, yeah, yeah, I'm Micah's dad. I said, wow. I said, he told me that you teach as Horace Mann in, in Liberty City. He said, yes. He said, let me get this right. Are you from Liberty City? I said, yes, sir. He says, and you wrote a book? I said, <laughs> I said, yes, sir. He, said, he says, um, but you're from Liberty City, right? I said, yeah. He says, where'd you grow up in Liberty City? I said, Scott Project. He said, and you wrote a book? I oh, said, well, awesome. sir, I've, I've, I said, I've written several books. That was just one of them. Uh -huh. And then he asked me, he says, what would it take to get you to come down here to speak to my kids at Horace Mann? And I said, sir, just an invitation. He says, but yes. I heard you get okay. paid to go all over the country, all over the world to speak. He says, yeah. 
I said, yes. but I'll do this for free. Yes, he says, absolutely. you will come down here for free. I said, Mr. Mintz, I said, no one, I said, since I've left Liberty City, no one has ever invited me to come back to Liberty City to speak. I've spoken at, at your son's school at Florida International University, University of Miami, Barry University, all the college, Miami-Dade Community College, all of them, but never to Liberty City. And so he, I paid my own way, Corey, to go down mm-hmm. there, to go um, speak uh-huh. at Horace Mann. He said, the reason why he asked me to come in, he says that he's been teaching at Horace Mann. He's now retired now, but he's, he had taught there at that time for like 22 years, and he had been to 26 funerals. Middle school. 26 oh, funerals. I thought I had a bad scene. Six of my friends die. This man has attended 26 funerals with all small caskets. Wow. And so he says, they need you down here. They need yes, hope. They, they need to hear you. He says, please. I said, sir, I'm down there. Now, yes. I thought I was going down there to speak, Corey. Now, this is the long-winded answer to your question. <laughs> I went down there to speak, right? Uh-huh. Give some back to the kids. Let's help oh, these yeah. kids out. Give them some hope. Boy, I grew up in Scott Projects. Let me tell you about my mom and what I went through. My dad wasn't there. Yep. That wasn't the yep. reason I went down there. That was part of it. But when uh-huh. I went down there, he wanted me to stay down there for about five days. Now, that was back then. Miami is still an expensive place to live, okay? <laughs> Especially mm-hmm. if you're trying to get in a hotel. So you're talking about easily about maybe close to maybe at least over a thousand dollars maybe fifteen hundred dollars to stay in hotels for five days all right down at a decent hotel where you're not gonna get robbed all right (laughs) so because mommy's (laughs) big but it's not that big you know Mm -hmm. and so um he decided he's gonna put me up in his house for -hmm. those five days okay Corey, it changed my life this became the redemption stage because Uh for those five days this man had michael was his second oldest. He had eight kids, all living <laughs> under the same roof. Uh-huh. And I lived with them for five days. Five, he had five boys, three girls. Mm-hmm. And they ranged from, at that time, Brandon, his oldest, had to be about maybe 20, 21. And Michael had to be about 19 at the time. Now he's Dr. Mintz. Michael, by the way, I'm spoiler alert. He's now a professor at um, UMass oh. Amherst. You know, so, (laughs) but, um, so I stayed with them, five boys, three girls, and I stayed with them five days and it blew my mind. Now, Corey, you have to understand, I grew up in a neighborhood where not one of my friends had a dad living in a home with them. Not one, not one. And so here I am in this home where I'm seeing a husband and a a Mm -hmm. wife for the first time living together. I knew about Mm -hmm. husband and wives. I never seen them live together, cohabitate before. Mm -hmm. And so I'm talking about as a kid growing up. And yep. so here I am, I'm watching this and I'm watching his relationship with his wife. I'm watching his interaction with his kids. I'm watching mm-hmm. how his kids respond to him. I'm watching how his wife is grinning from ear to ear and how she responds to him with such admiration and respect. Mm-hmm. Cause I tell men, if you really want to measure a man's manhood, don't look at his bank account. Don't look at his titles, measure a man by the size of the smile on his wife's face when she's in the same Love room that. with him. And so I'm looking at this woman and I'm looking at these kids and then he will put them to bed at night. And he says, Joe, will you join me? What do you want me to join you for by putting your kids to bed to pray with them? (laughs) This man doesn't even know if I believe in God. He's asking me, would I, you know, be there to pray with them and answer, answer questions that they may have. And then he's doing it with his daughters and his his sons. And I'm thinking, wow, this family doesn't seem real. They're eating dinner every night at the table. (laughs) And they're, and they're saying, each one is telling you what they're thankful for. You know, mm-hmm. from the look, the youngest had to be about his youngest daughter had to be about five or six uh-huh. at the time, wow. right? And they're wow. just thanking God for different things. And they're and having you're in your family. 30s. Yeah, you're I'm in, in my 30s, 30s right at this time, yeah. right? And I'm like, what is this? I've never seen it. Like wow. And I thought it, the first night it happened, I thought it was just an act because mm-hmm. this seems just like the Waltons. That's an old reference. Yeah, People are like, what is the Waltons? Like little sure. house on the prairie kind of stuff right yep. no oh, this is this they just putting on this act because i'm there they were all having dinner together but they did it every night mm-hmm. and they had family devotionals they asked me to participate and i'm thinking okay you can fake it for one night but you're doing this five days this got to be your lifestyle here? Yeah, this has to be your here? life mm-hmm. and i walked away with just mesmerized my i i'm just i'm not even talking about the 16 schools he had me speak to in Liberty oh, City, gosh. 16 oh, schools. That's why 16, I was down there for five wow. days. 
Yeah. You're talking about, about on average about three to four schools a day. I didn't have a voice when I left. <laughs> but it that was amazing in itself, but it was more mm-hmm. so living with him for those mm-hmm. five days that changed everything. I got to go to work with him every day because he was pretty much my, what do you call it, like a valet <laughs> and <Yep>. my uh, <laughs> um, chauffeur and chauffeur. everything else. Yep. Yeah, he was everything. <laughs> and so mm-hmm. he did all that. And I'm just, I didn't want to leave. Yeah. I was just thoroughly enjoying myself. I got to talk to him. And when we were leaving, he gave me this, this bag full of mm-hmm. books um, and CDs. And um, remember the old VHS tapes? Yep. <laughs> it was on parenting, on being a husband. Now, here I am. I'm divorced. You know what I mean? Yep. But he's giving Sign. me stuff on parenting, on being married, how to raise daughters. Yep. And I don't even have a daughter at the time. He's, <laughs> he's t- how to be. So I'm just like overwhelmed. And he's giving me this while he's dropping me off at the airport. And he's explaining each one like he's Vanna White on the Wheel of Fortune. And this is what you get <laughs> when you do this. And he's mm-hmm. playing all this stuff. Yep. And I just started crying. And I broke down crying. He says, Joe, why are you crying? And by this time, he was no longer Mr. Mintz. He was Howard to me. I said, Howard, my entire life, I've been praying and asking God. I said, God, I said, here I am achieving all this other stuff. And I didn't, I said, but the most important thing I needed to be, I didn't know how to be. And that was how to be a man, how to be a father, how to be a husband. And God, with all these degrees, Mm -hmm. how can I be this stupid? Why won't you send me somebody? Why won't you give me some help? And I say, and then I meet your son at FIU. <laughs> and by a, a so, whim, I decide to give this kid my card. Uh-huh. And by a whim, you happen to be somebody who lived, in, who works in my old neighborhood. Mm-hmm. And he sends me you. And I get to live with you. I say, if this ain't a sign from God, I got to be the biggest idiot in the world. Oh, I, I said, you're the oh, man I've been waiting for my mm-hmm. whole life. Oh, God, I don't want to lose it, Corey. Uh-huh. That's beautiful. My whole oh, life, I've been waiting for you, Howard. Mm-hmm. I said, now you're here. Yep. And you're getting ready to put me on a plane. I know you got eight kids, bro, but will you just adopt just one more? You got yeah, nine. Mm-hmm. And he's been my father ever since. I just got a text from him this morning. I get a text from him almost every day. And Love so that. he started the redemption part. Mm-hmm. And about maybe seven years into our relationship, I said, um, Howard, I was having lunch with him and his wife. They had come up, they was going through to go see one of their kids. Cause now the kids are all over the place now, all over the world. Oh. And so he <laughs> stopped in, they had, they had lunch with me. And I remember asking that tip. I said, Howard, man, what you've done has changed my life. Mm-hmm. And cause now this time I didn't have an organization. I didn't have no. what I'm doing now. I was just right. now a better father. I now, mm-hmm. you know, now I'm dating. You see what mm-hmm. I mean? And I know now what to look for in a wife and all this other stuff. And I said, Howard, what can I do to repay you? I said, you just name it. Anything, man. You want me to name my future children after you? I don't care. You just tell me. (laughs) I said, because I can't possibly repay you for what you've done for me. My kid, my mom had a chance to meet him before she passed. She loved him to say, oh, Joe, now I see why you talk about him so much. She got to meet him. My son got to meet, got a chance to meet him. And so- Mm -hmm. I said, how would I, what can I do to repay you? And Corey, he told me, he says, um, you don't owe me anything. I said, yes, I do. He said, no, you don't owe me anything except one thing. I said, you name it. What is it? He says, go make disciples. Share the word. Yeah, share it. He said, go, oh, yes. what you see, what I've done for you, Joe, mm-hmm. go do it for other men like you. Amen, amen, Who need amen. what you're looking for. You are looking for, yeah, Joe, how many other men you think are out there looking for a father figure? for a, a man they can trust who can pour into him to share wisdom he said joe if you just if you did that for me that would be more than enough now howard had no idea i'll be doing this oh gosh but think about so his true. impact <laughs> oh you yeah know, his impact that and now Absolutely. he's one of our big because we're a nonprofit, and so we get mm-hmm. donors given to us guess who's one of our biggest if not our biggest supporter howard absolutely yeah. and i say howard you don't have to give anything man you don't have to give he said no, he is like, he is so proud of me, Corey. And Howard, he's also, a, Howard's a school teacher. Now, he's retired now. He's retired. He's, yeah, he's left that behind now. incredible to see that even as a school teacher, he's invested in you. That's yeah. just beautiful. That's Could you imagine amazing. now that he's watching, he's sitting back oh, yeah. and watching he's... the ripples effect of mm-hmm. some guy he just let crash at his house 
for yep. five days and said, he's now reaching how many people in how many countries? Oh, Joe's doing what? <laughs> and, and wow. So your, your organization now is Real Men Connect. Yeah. That's the name of it. Tell us more about, so then what did that turn into? Yeah, because what ended up happening is I realized, okay, I wanted to give back and I wanted to make disciples mm -hmm. and I wanted to mentor. And I said, okay, God, how do I do that? What, yes. what can I do? I said, now they know me in education, but nobody knows me in the men's arena. What do I do? Mm -hmm. And I had a vision of three ways to um, connect with people. I said, okay, mm -hmm. I'm a good speaker. I said, so what I'm going to do, I said, um, I know what I'll do. I'll do videos, you know, because I'm animated and I can yep. grab people's attention. Yep. I said, man, I got my degrees in communication and I used to work for the governor's mm -hmm. office. I, I'm really good at writing. I said, I'm going to do a blog too. I'm going to do a blog. Okay. And then I had this crazy idea. You know what? And, you know, since um, 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 I'm good at connecting with people, I'm going to do a show, a podcast. Don't even know how to do a podcast. <laughs> I'm going to do a podcast because everybody's doing a podcast. So I said, that's what I'll do. So I launched those three ways to just get the message out to people. Mm -hmm. And everyone started, all of those different mechanisms got traction, but the podcast took Ooh. off. And I yeah. keep thinking, why did the podcast take off? And I got why it took off. When I was doing video, it was me sharing my story. Mm -hmm. And people were loving it. Wow, man, this guy's really inspiring me. Man, I can do that too. Mm -hmm. When I was writing, I'm writing about my experiences. Oh, mm -hmm. this great this guy's a great writer. He, what the imagery and man, I can relate to his story. But when I did my show, it was about the guest. And yes. we were sharing our stories with each other and how yes. they were overlapping. And so I start bringing in these people that they said, wait a minute, it's not just Joe is not some unicorn. There's another guy just like him on a yep. show. And so when they realized that they're not unique is when mm -hmm. that took off. And man, when I say it blew up within the first 10 months, we were the top rated on Apple Podcasts within the first 10 months. We That's just incredible. surpassed 2 million downloads of our podcast, 2 million. Mm -hmm. And we're in 136 countries. And the podcast is not our success. It's what got our got people to pay attention. Now, right. because exactly. of that, cool. we've attracted so many people. Now they know what we do. Now they're mm -hmm. reaching out to us. And now we've been an internal community of men. Mm -hmm. We have, so with the, in our organization, we got another organization called the Real Men 300. Mm -hmm. And these are men who are doing life together. No different than Jesus did life with 12 disciples. Yep. We're doing that with hundreds of men. And people say, how oh, could you possibly so do that? We do it very well. And Love to the it. point like this, that we have hundreds of guys, but every guy knows he can touch me no different than I'm talking to you right now. I'm not like that guy who they can't yep. get to. Yep. They can call me, reach out to me anytime as if they were talking to their wife. Yep. And they can reach out to any guy in our organization as if they were talking to their wife. And they're all so, shocked, like, how can you do yep. this? <laughs> I, said, I said, that's the equivalent of you asking what goes into a sausage. Don't ask. Just eat the doggone sausage. <laughs> we've, yep. we've organized it a way that we've been able to grow, thank God. And it, keeps, it makes it seem like it's so personal. And it is. But they it just is. don't know how we pull it off. So we're mm -hmm. doing life together. And we're 24 hours a day, seven days a week. 365 days out of the year, men are doing life alongside of me. So, but that now here's the dangerous side about that, Corey. Since men are that close to me, guess what they know? Uh -huh. Every argument I have with my wife. <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> they yes. hear every pain I'm having with my kid at college right now. Yep. In yep. other words, they get to see sides of me. They probably thought, uh, now he don't look so special anymore. Because <laughs> <laughs> yep. the shine is gone now. But at the same time, they appreciate it because they say, wait mm -hmm. a minute. So yes. I can be just as jacked up as Joe and still have a joyful life? Yes, because it's not about being perfect. <laughs> exactly. And so to me, you can't just tell your story to people and only put in the highlights. That's what Facebook mm -hmm. is, social media is. They're highlight yeah. reels. No, yep. that's why I, I don't even go to social media because I know what social media, now we're on it and I had somebody manage that for me, but I don't right. go in there scrolling because until Good. you're telling me about your divorce as well as your vacation, I don't want to hear from you. Mm -hmm. I want to know the whole story, not just the parts you want me to know. So these guys, when I went through the death of my mom, they knew about it. Yep. When I lost one of my other mentors who helped me when I got into this, when he died, they knew about it. When mm -hmm. my daughter and I, who we were button heads, they heard about it. Yep. When me and my wife were going, they hear about it. I don't keep anything from these guys because I don't want so them to important. keep anything from me. Exactly. And, and I'm shocked because they don't judge me for it, Corey. 
they actually appreciate it. They want and, real. Yeah. And so we we grow together. Because I tell them, I say, how can God ever heal something that you won't reveal? Exactly. You got to be able to reveal it so it can be healed. Exactly. And so we do life and we do it un, uh, unapologetically and we do it together. I call it messy Christianity. That's what we do. Messy Christianity. Yeah. <laughs> yes. And so because none of us, based on um, what we've done, could qualify to be a leader at a church. None of us. <laughs> We're that ragtag we bunch we that Jesus that. picked. <laughs> we don't need that shiny suit and that right. fake facade. We need real. So, right. Amen. Because when you look at who Jesus chose as disciples, you're like, was Jesus having a lapse in judgment? Why would he choose somebody who would betray him? Why would he choose a tax collector? Why would he choose a person with anger management issues? Why would he choose? Yep. You know, why would he do that? And I, but I get it now because yep. it wasn't about what they're doing is what they were going to become being around Jesus. And so what we're becoming together is, man, we realize we can celebrate our imperfections. We can celebrate our frailties, our trauma, our pain. The stuff we talk about, you say, how come they don't talk about this outside of this environment? And I tell guys, that's why I, like, some of these guys stick with us. They've been with us now for three years, four years. I'm like, why are you guys sticking around this long? Jesus only hung out with the disciples for three years. You know what I mean? Four years. <laughs> But what they found out is that, wow, Joe, if I leave this, I'm not going to get this kind of authenticity in realness anyplace else. He says, my pastor's not sharing this kind of stuff every Sunday. That's and also, so I, sometimes I can't even get to my pastor. God bless his heart, but he's busy all the time. Right. You know, my friends have lives. They're not making time. He said, what, what we're doing, we're being intentional about mm -hmm. doing life together. And doing life together. Men, men are dying for that. Yes. It's so sad how isolated most men are. I brought my, I bring my kids to class. I teach at a university here and um, they're getting older. So they're not as cute as when they were younger. But I remember one time my son in class, he's, you know, seven or eight and I say something to the class and my son raises his hand and he goes, dad, you don't do that. <laughs> the whole class is like, oh, <laughs> just called me out right in front of the class. And I, I love it because one of my one of the things that's a theme on my course evaluations is he shares too much about his life and i'm like mm -hmm. i'm not going to get up here and preach at you i am going to live life with you with you and there you and go and i'm a different i'm a professor but i actually want you in my home i love having students over yeah i want them to see me with my wife i want to see them with my kids because it changes our relationship so and Corey, doing and life and Corey, it changes so them critical. too it changes it them too i wish i could have seen that when i was in college I wish some of my professors yep. would have said, Joe, um, let me introduce you to yep. my wife. Let me introduce yep. you to my kids. Because then I would have seen what a husband and wife look like. Why did it take me to my exactly. mid-30s to see it? That's crazy. Crazy. So crazy. crazy. Yeah. 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 yeah I, my, yesterday, I took my daughter to class, and she actually was my client in a counseling skills class. Mm -hmm. and so she's 11 years old and had an issue. And so the class was, you could hear a wow. you know, pin drop. Wow, um, wow. Watching this little 11 year old in front of 40 students. Um, but yes, they, they need to see that. Men need to see men. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Women need groups that are women. We need to see marriages. We need to see how to parent different. Otherwise, we only have an end of one, our own experience, yeah. whatever that was. We don't yeah. know. And we don't know what we don't know. Right. So, what you're doing is so critical. I'm just, I'm so excited to meet you and to talk with you been looking forward to talking with you for a while because it's just all you're doing and the impact you're making on the kingdom it's planting incredible seeds thank you thank you yeah yeah i know it's it's interesting to listen to that journey of just the all that you've been through and how god's using that and to think of those that are actually going to look at you and actually say some of the same things that you said about howard and um mm -hmm. how how much that it impacts so many actually generations. That's one of the things that I saw all of a sudden realized one day years ago was when I'm sitting with a person in front of me, like even doing premarital counseling or a couple, I'm not affecting just them. I'm affecting generations. Absolutely. Totally Absolutely. changes how they parent. Then it changes the generation. It changes their marriage. It changes the generation. You know, Corey, I, I joke with Howard a lot. I say, Howard, I know when we get to heaven, it's supposed to be a personal thing. I said, but I'm going to ask God to um, do me a favor. He says, what's that? I said, when you get to heaven, I want him to let me peek around the corner when you stand before him. He says, what? 
I said, because Howard, um, we're building eternal rewards and that's going to be stored up. The Bible tells us there's eternal rewards stored up for us in heaven. And a lot of things we think we're going to get credit for, we're not because we did it with the wrong motives. But there's going to be some stuff that God shows us we're like, wow, God, you noticed that or you saw mm. that things we never even imagined. I say, I just want to peek around the corner to look at the look on your face. When God <laughs> shows you your eternal rewards and mm. the shock you're going to have when you said, God, when did I go to Australia? Mm -hmm. When did I go to South Africa? When mm -hmm. did I go to Guatemala? When did I go to Canada? When was I in Japan? God, I never left the country. God, Canada? God, Honduras? God, mm -hmm. God where people came to you? There, I didn't do any of that. What, what do you, God, oh, you must have another Howard Mintz. And he said, <laughs> no, no, no. Because when you reach Joe Martin, mm -hmm. you reach them. Amen. And I say, in the look in your face, I say, will be priceless to think that you had yep. no idea the impact and the ripples effect of your obedience and your faithfulness. And I'm humble about uh -huh. it too, because I know the same thing is going to happen to me because mm -hmm. based on the other men that I've touched, I'm thinking, God, when did I, yep. I never, I've never been in the prisons. What are you talking about? Impacting people in the prisons, not knowing mm -hmm. that somebody I impacted is doing yep. something in the prisons. You oh, know, yes. and like you said, it's the ripples effect and it's humbling. It's mm -hmm. humbling because Corey, don't forget where, where, what I did. Exactly. Based on. You don't deserve it. Yeah. Based you on my past, I, I'm disqualified no. exactly. for what I've done. And, and I'm like, wow. And you still want to <laughs> use somebody like me for him to bring Howard to me after what I did. Right. How can I not love God? How can I love not it. love him mm -hmm. when nothing says I deserve that? And he didn't just give me a mentor. To me, I'm biased. He gave me the best yeah. mentor, the best. And, and uh, people say, Joe, you always bragging about Howard. Do you know Howard would not even be, become, not appear on my show? He won't even come on my show. Uh, really? Yeah, no, because funny. he says, Joe, no, no, I don't want it to be about me, Joe. Don't, but I said, come on. <laughs> like, come on. He said, no, Joe, no, no. But that's what great. I can tell you, and that's why I said, okay, even if you won't come on my show, I'm going to tell your stories. Over, and I'll tell you and one thing that, that made me understand that I was blessed with a unique individual. It's a lot of things he did. Mm -hmm. But this one thing blessed me more than anything. It's when I first met him. Mm -hmm. And I'm thinking, this is going to be my mentor. Wow. When, we, when he picked me up at the airport, he mm -hmm. took me, before he took me to his house, he took me to Liberty City. Mm -hmm. Okay. Now, I was a little bit concerned because the sun was going down. And I'm in a car with this white guy and we're going oh. through my hood, right? Oh. And I tell you, I never mm -hmm. saw any white people in our hood. So I'm thinking, mm -hmm. dude, you're going to stand like a sore thumb and you're going to get us both carjacked and we're going to die. On my first trip to Miami, back to Miami. <laughs> oh, no. People don't know me like that, right? I'm, I've been gone yep. for a while. Yep. And so, and I can't vouch for you, you know? And so yep. we're driving in this, in our community and I'm getting scared. I'm nervous. Mm -hmm. Now this, after you pick my luggage is in the back and everything. So they're going to rob us and get a lot of luggage, right? So, <laughs> and so we're going into the neighborhood and I'm like, why are we going through Liberty City? I don't get it. He said he doesn't live in Liberty City. And what he was doing, he was making the rounds, Corey. Mm -hmm. And he was speaking to kids who he would have in class. Oh, I forgot to tell you, he was in charge of indoor suspension. Oh. So not only was he at the worst <laughs> school in yeah. Miami, he's oh, dealing with man. the worst kids. So mm -hmm. he's making sure these kids will not skip indoor suspension because these kids would rather be home, right? Okay. And so he's checking them. Hey, I'm going to see you tomorrow, right? Yeah, Mr. Mintz. And all the kids are respectful. Now, these cool kids who've been acting out, but they're very wow. respectful to him. And so, so I'm cool with that. I said, oh, he knows these kids. It's no big deal. But all of a sudden, it started to change. As it starts getting darker, I'm thinking, okay, how we need to get out of here, man. You know, this kid kind of late. But he would still go check on the kids. And the kids started, since it was getting dark, they couldn't, they can barely see me in the car. So Howard's getting out, hey, man, da, 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 I'm going to see you in school tomorrow, right? And he, they said, Mr. Mintz, who's that in the car with you? He said, um, he said, oh, this is, uh, this is a guest of mine, Joe Martin. He said, are you okay, Mr. Mintz? You all right? Just if something, if something <laughs> wrong, they're, they're about to attack me, right? Oh, no. <laughs> they think I was, jeopardy, I was putting him in yep. danger. They said, yep. you sure, Mr. Mintz? I'm like, wait a minute. 
I'm scared, but for the wrong reasons. Now, I thought I was scared because he was with me. Now I'm scared for my life thinking I'm going to end up getting hurt because they think I'm trying to jack him, right? And uh-huh. they love it, right? Yeah. So I'm watching this and I'm thinking, Mr. Mez, I said, dude, tell, tell them I'm from here. Like, tell them I'm from this neighborhood, right? They said, but Joe, they don't know you, but they knew yeah. him, right? Yeah. And so we're getting in the car and I'm thinking, that was kind of weird, right? That's it. I'm afraid of my own neighborhood for my own life. <laughs> but then he takes me to um to um it's a, a a very popular place for bad reasons called 62nd Street. And he takes me to 62nd Street. I'm like, okay, now, Mr. Mess, you're getting a little bit carried away. It's really late now. And now you take me in front of a crack house. We stopped in front of a crack house. And I'm like, this dude trying to kill me, right? What, what, what's, what is he doing? This is my first day. And Never he says, into you. I said, what, what? And uh, Howard looks at me, says, um, Joe, do you know what this is? Mm-hmm. I said, yeah, Mr. Mintz, I, I know what this is. Do you know what this is? Like, <laughs> he said, yeah. I said, Mr. Mintz, this is a crack house. He says, I know. I said, why are we here? And it's after dark. He says, oh, before I take you to my house i wanted to show you where it happened i said where what happened where they found my dad's dead body whoa i'm like what he says joe um when i was 19 years old my dad um got carjacked in another hood called carroll city which is maybe a couple of three miles north of liberty city mm-hmm. they have different hoods around miami and where you don't go to different hoods because something bad could happen to you. So he says they found the car in Carroll City where they had carjacked my dad. Because I thought that was going to happen to us when we was going to Liberty City. They yeah. carjacked my dad, um, but they found his body here in front of this crack house. Oof. And I looked at Howard. And I said, Mr. Mintz, are you serious? He said, yeah, man. He said, it devastated me. Mm. devastated me and I said Mr. Mintz I said um can I ask you something he says yeah I I don't get you (laughs) he says huh I said you're telling me that this neighborhood murdered your father the people in this neighborhood murdered your father he said yeah but you voluntarily teach at the school in this neighborhood and you're not just dealing with the kids in this neighborhood you're dealing with the worst kids in neighborhood who are more than likely would have killed your dad if they had a chance so i don't understand you why would you voluntarily come to a place where these people murdered your father who you was close to and this way i tell you i got the best mentor in the world because he said to me, Corey, and I quote, don't you get it? I said, no, get what? <laughs> Joe, he said, they took my father because they didn't have one. Mm-hmm. But maybe if I thought if I came back and became a father to them, they would never take another one. Oh. And I said to myself, Corey, this is why I knew he was going to be my mentor. I said, oh, yeah. Oh, I said, gosh. what kind of man is this? Yeah. I said, what kind of man is this? And I'm mm-hmm. speechless the rest of the ride home. Cause I'm like, what and, did he just yeah, say? And then you go home to see a family. Then I see his family. And, and I see his family. Like, oh, my God. They need to see uh, that so they mm-hmm. understand the importance of a father. He said, Joe, yes. when they killed my dad, they weren't thinking about, they, they never saw a dad. Yeah. So they don't know how important a dad's role is in the home. But if I become a dad to them, Mm -hmm. and they, because now I see the remember the respect they have him when he was driving around. Oh yeah, Mr. Miss, you okay, Mr. Miss? They're protecting him. Yes, from me, (laughs) from me. They're protecting him, and I said, and I didn't get it. And I said, oh, Mm -hmm. now I see. Mm -hmm. If you become a father, they won't murder fathers. Mm -hmm. Oh my goodness, I am blessed to have a wonderful wonderful spiritual father and mentor in Howard because I needed to see that. Yes. And so what we're trying to do is put a value on the life of a father. Amen to that. Because whatever, whatever man they're hurting, he's somebody's dad or brother mm-hmm. or son. 
And they yeah. didn't see it that way. And now he's getting kids in that community to see it that way. My biggest disappointment was when he had to retire. I'm like, how are they going to need? They need you. He said, Joe, no, I've laid, he said, I've planted enough seeds mm-hmm. that now they'll be able to do it without me. He said, that's what I'm asking you to do. Yep. Keep paying it forward. Pass, Keep pass making it on the torch. Yep. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So that's, that's my where I went. Too. I've got 21 years of, as a counselor. And I, a few years ago, I realized I'm a therapist counselor, but I'm doing more coaching in terms of the way I do it. But then it moved me quickly to it's discipleship. It's discipleship. Yeah. What I do is discipleship. It's mm-hmm. strengthening marriages and helping families restore and also protecting people and teaching them boundaries and um, what not to do. But this is what you're doing is so beautiful. And it led to the Real Men Connect, your organization, the Real Men 300. Is that right? Real Men 300. Yeah, that's our community. And yeah. Mm-hmm. The community, which anyone listening, if your husband is um, struggling, this is a place to go. This is a place to find community no matter where you live, no matter where you're at, what stage of life you're in. Um, so the Real Men 300, got your podcast, books. Uh, oh gosh, I'm just so so honored to meet you and to see what you're doing and what God's doing in and through you. Um, and plus you have your wife and your kids as well. Mm-hmm. And Corey, you know, you mentioned about what you're doing now is, you know, yeah, I started as a counselor, but then I found myself coaching, but I really now is discipleship. And you know why uh-huh. it's necessary? You know, and I didn't, I missed it when I was in education. In education, when kids come in, we we, we, we kind of do a diagnostic check to see where they are, to find out mm-hmm. grade-wise where, where they are. Mm-hmm. And they get to take all these tests and we prod them and probe them, you know, to see, okay, okay, this yep. kid, <laughs> does he have a learning disability and mm-hmm. all this other stuff? And then you have all the designations, the ADD, ADHD, and yep. all these letters. Yep. And I, I missed it. I realize now that men have a learning disability that was undiagnosed by all the school system. And it's not ADD or ADHD, it's ABT. Ain't been taught. Ain't and when been you taught. Say, yeah, and when you mm-hmm. say this, I oh, I that's it. basically what mm-hmm. we're doing now. What we're realizing, yeah, yes. it started out as counseling. Coach. Oh my goodness, they ain't been taught. <laughs> they yep. haven't been taught how to be a father. Yep. They haven't been taught how to spiritually lead a family. They haven't been taught how to love a wife. They haven't mm-hmm. been taught how to how to disciple their children. They haven't been taught how to represent their faith on their job. They haven't been taught how to communicate effectively. They haven't been taught how to listen and read between oh. the lines when it comes to dealing with their children and their wives. And so that's what I realized. We're ABT. Mm-hmm. Ain't been taught. I ain't wasn't taught. taught until I was in my mid to late 30s oh, with yes. all this education. But I had a learning disability, ABT. And when we're humble enough to admit it, that's when the help begins. But I would love for the women out there who are listening is before, I know sometimes they get frustrated with their husbands because they think their husband should be at a different level. But think about this. If you were sending your kid to first grade, sending Mm -hmm. your child to first grade, and then all of a sudden the teacher says, you know, the teacher gives them all Fs. You're like, what are these Fs for? Oh, because your son... Or your daughter didn't know calculus. <laughs> he was like, what? But they're only six years old. Yep. Well, well, they should know calculus by now. They've been, they have six years on this earth. They should know calculus. You said, how do you expect my kid to know calculus if they haven't been taught calculus? Yep. Yep. Well, unfortunately, that's us as men. Mm-hmm. We may have a lot of years behind of us, behind us, but we haven't been taught how to love, lead, and love and lead a family. And and your wife. So ladies listening, you're one of the key teachers in your husband's yeah. life. Yeah. But he also needs men in his he needs life. Men. Yeah. I didn't understand him. that until I was in my 30s either, that I needed yeah. men in my life. And I finally got a part of a biker group. I'm, I'm a motorcycle guy. And uh, just that became God, these godly men yeah. who I love and respect. And ironically, now it's through Boy Scouts. I have dads that are in my community of, as, as leaders that. Um, I look forward to time with and we influence each other and um, and it's sad because the times that I I really see who's around me is when there's a crisis it's also great it's sad that it takes the crisis to realize oh wow I have these people in my life that love me Um, so I don't wish the crisis on people but it's the crisis where you really find out how strong your marriage is how Mm -hmm. what what you've are you know even missing but ABT yes Mm -hmm. Ain't been taught. That's yeah, and Corey, you bring up a great point. Teach. 
you you bring up a great point when it comes to the women because you know I was raised by women. My mom, my mm-hmm. sister, my godmother, uh, my aunt, mm-hmm. um, they were all played a, a role in my life in my development mm-hmm. as a man. And I will tell you, they all loved me. Yeah. And they would give their life for me. And people say, well, that should be enough. No, what I learned that women play a role in my life, but mm-hmm. women encourage and they should be encouraging. And I've learned mm-hmm. a lot of things about women from my mom, my sister, mm-hmm. my aunt, my godmother. But it takes another man to affirm another man. A woman, nice. you know, she can try, she can encourage him, but she can't affirm him. And, and I know someone may not want to hear that, but let me put it in context for you in real life. When my son, and I learned this even through my daughter too now, who's not even my biological daughter. I'll give mm-hmm. you two instances. My son, when he was um, playing basketball, and this is like, and he's like eight, seven or eight years old. You know, those kids don't know what they're doing. They just run around <laughs> crazy. <laughs> yeah. And so after, when he had a pretty decent game, he finishes. and his mom, oh, Kendall, you did such a great job. You did an awesome job. Oh, mommy's so proud of you. Da, yep. da, 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 da. <laughs> yes. And then he says, and then he comes to me and he says, daddy, what do you think? Yep. And I said, Kendall, you heard your mom. You did a great job. He says, I know that's what she said, but what do you think? Because I know nice. you tell me the truth. Oh, yes. <laughs> He's only like seven or eight years old. But oh, he, he knew, knew then that. He already knew a truth. There's yeah. something in him that knew a truth. He said, it sounds one way, but I love when mom says, good job. But when you say it, it does something to my heart. Now, let me use the flip side of that with daughters. I didn't notice Mm -hmm. I had a daughter. I'm thinking, what's the big deal? My my wife was a single mom before she met me. So her and her daughter are like super close. I'm talking about almost that is dysfunctional close. Kind of thing. That's how close (laughs) they are. And so I'm thinking, I got to build a relationship with this daughter, Mm -hmm. with the mom clinging to her like dad and everything. But we developed our own relationship. So one day my wife says to me, she says, it is so unfair. I said, what do you mean? She says, the power you have as Mm -hmm. a man with your daughter. Mm -hmm. I said, what are you talking about? I said, Faith, I said, Faith treats you better than she treats me. (laughs) They're right. What are you talking about? (laughs) She says, no. He said, you haven't noticed? And I noticed. And when she said it, she says, you ever notice how hard I get? I'm the discipline. I get on faith really, really hard. But whenever you express disappointment, she mm-hmm. crumbles. Yes. yes. And I said, yeah. She said, you, you haven't threatened her like I did to an inch of her life. <laughs> you know <what> I mean? <laughs> yep, yep, All yep. you just said that you're disappointed mm-hmm. and you're saddened by her actions or something that she does. And she just loses her mind. She said, you never thought in question, why is that? Because it's the affirmation of the father. Exactly. And I remember my daughter came in. She was about 12 years old. She's 19 now, but she came in. She says, "Um, daddy, what do you think of my dress? What do you think of my dress? You know, she's spinning around. What do you think of my dress? Right. And now she knows I'm I'm a straight shooter. I say, now, babies, I call her sweepy. I say, sweepy. Now, you know how daddy is. Do you want me to tell you the truth or what you want to hear? She says, tell me what I want to hear, daddy. Tell me what I want to hear. <laughs> I said, it's beautiful. cool. You look beautiful. <laughs> but she yep. wants to hear the affirmation yep. of her daddy. Yep. And that's the role that we play. We all should be encouraging and affirming. But it means different coming. Different. That, that son needs to know, be encouraged by his wife that guess what yes a woman do she can see something in you that's attractive Mm -hmm. other than just your looks but he needs to know i have what it takes to be a man Mm -hmm. he needs to hear that from a man not from his mom yeah it's that affirmation man so i'm telling you you're absolutely right man we need it when we need each other so i'm definitely honored to to meet you and hear what you're doing and uh, what's what's your contact info how can people reach out and find you very easy. Real men connect. Realmenconnect.com. And just think about right. what do real men do? They connect. Yep. They connect to other men. They connect to their wives. They connect to their children. They connect to their community. Yep. Real men connect to their hearts. Love they it. connect. Real men connect. And by the way, uh, I got to give full disclaimer. My wife came up with the name. Nice. <laughs> real men I connect. love it. <laughs> she came up with the name. I said, I said, Tanya, why that? She said, Joe, because it implies action. 
that yes. real man must do something. They must connect. It's a verb and a noun at the same time, but it implies action. And that was the best name we came up it's with. Perfect. Realmenconnect.com. So if they want to find out about us and everything we're doing, even the Real Men 300 in the community that we built, yep. all they got to do is go to realmenconnect.com and just click on Real Men 300. Sounds great. Definitely honored to meet you. So great talking with you. So great hearing your story and your vulnerability. I really hope this impacts a lot of people. Um, and we continue to build the kingdom. So such an honor to talk with you today. Thank you, Corey. My pleasure. Anytime, bro. Awesome. Thank you for tuning in to the Family Features Podcast. It has been an honor to serve. Find out more about Dr. Gilbert and his resources for you and your family's growth and success at healinglives.com. And if you think you could use some support along the way, be sure to book that call at bookdrg.com. And one more thing, if you found this helpful, please share this podcast with others so that we can change the world together.